Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Occasionalist. Matt Pagel here once again with Adam Chemaluski. Chema, how are we doing, my man? Doing great. Vaccinated. Feeling great. And I know you're. I know you're vaccinated. That's right, too, dude. We are now the the vaccinated occasionalist podcast. Occasionally so, vaccinated. Um, occasionally vaccinated. That's right. And uh, yeah, man, I'm loving life. Very excited to get into this episode, dude. Let's fucking do it. I'm really pumped. Uh, Chum and I. We are going. To, this is going to be our Mortal Kombat preview episode. Um, we are going to obviously talk about the uh, the upcoming Mortal Kombat movie. Comes out on April twenty third. Um, and this makes sense because we did a whole episode, a bad movie review of the original Mortal Kombat movie from 1995, um, directed by, uh, Paul W.S. Anderson. Uh, and I think we were both in agreement, his second best movie, um, <laughs> behind Event Horizon and oh, yep. a movie that for sure, even though it's, it's legitimately, as we said in that podcast, it's legitimately a bad movie, but Chema, a movie that still has its charms that I still like. Yeah, dude. Um, even just kind of thinking about that episode and getting prepped for this one. I just love the nostalgia of it, man. I still like every time I talk about it, I am like immediately transported back to seeing the movie in Parma town mall. Like mm-hmm. when they had a movie theater in Parma town mall and just everything about the game and like the stand up arcades back in the day. And like, you know, um, basically like there's one guy playing and like a line of people trying to beat that guy. And mm-hmm. just this little, culture that used to exist within arcades that unfortunately it's just something that is really really rare and does like the stand-up arcade thing is just not like it rarely exists it it's, barely exists it barely exists except for well people like us that are now i guess technically old um so, i'm like i mean i know that it still exists but like there's a whole generation of actually more like two generations of kids now at this point that have never had the joy of of handling the actual sticks the actual joysticks um, in a stand-up arcade game, have never done it. I know, man. It's it's really unfortunate, and I, I know that there are places out there like 16-bit, and um, out here in LA, we have a couple different places that take pride in the, the stand-up mm-hmm. games. But it's just not it's just not the same. It, it really no. is not the same. You know, you you're going to that bar to drink and play stand-up arcade games. Like when you were a kid, going to the arcade was the bomb, dude. Mm-hmm. Like that was just hands down like mm-hmm. the coolest thing to do on a Saturday afternoon. And I I've been to an arcade, um, like a real one in New Jersey within the last like five years and it, it's it's in Red Bank. It's right by uh, Kevin Smith's comic mm-hmm. Kevin Smith's comic shop. Mm-hmm. Um I loved it. It's it dude, it's like a dying art form, man. I, I just it's something that I wish could exist a little bit more, but at the same time, I kind of understand why it does not. Exactly. Just, and last thing on this, and since we were talking about them off air, I wish Cherry and Dennis were here because our fraternity house uh, on campus had an old stand up arcade machine that we, um, that we refurbished and reprogrammed and everything. Like you could like slot in like different, uh, like I think it came with like three games per cartridge and you could put in, we had like four different cartridges that you could put in. So you had like a stand up arcade. It's, cartridge not like a game not like a nintendo 64 cartridge like these old school huge ass fucking like slots that you had to put this thing in um yeah it was one of those that we so you could like change out like a few of the games uh as long as they're i think as long as they're all konami games you could you could swap different cartridges in them that is really goddamn cool and i'm now very very jealous of your um college experiences <laughs> if i wasn't jealous enough of it already and i like that is something that if I ever made a bunch of money, like if I ever just made a bunch of money, 
I would have to get at least one stand-up arcade game in mm. the house um, just just to have it. I don't necessarily know how much I would play it, but when I would play it, that would that, that's like Adam's t- alone time. You know what For I'm sure. saying? Like, don't mess with him while he's wailing away on the X-Men arcade game. So. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, just to sort of tie, as we jump into this episode, talking about the newer Mortal Kombat, uh, let's give it one last tie to the, to the original Mortal Kombat from 1995. Uh, we got to start off with the, I don't know, maybe... I would say at least one of the top three songs in the history of humanity, uh, Techno Syndrome. <laughs> Am I overstating that? I don't think so. Um, but no, it's the, the Mortal Kombat theme from the original movie, Techno Syndrome. It's a classic, it's a classic techno song. It's a classic movie theme. Um, who, who out there hasn't yelled Mortal Kombat really loudly at someone? Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, but the Techno Syndrome has gotten a little update, uh, a remix for, uh, for this upcoming uh, for this upcoming movie, I think the the full soundtrack drops this weekend, a week ahead of the movie. Okay. Um, have you have you heard tech, the Techno Syndrome remix yet? I listened to it twice um, in preparation for this episode, and um, I listened to it twice because the first time I listened to it, I couldn't. I basically was not a fan. I don't want to use the term hate, but I am almost there. And I listened to the second time just to make sure that my first opinion was correct. I can't stand the remix, dude. I'm not going to lie. I, I just, I can't, I can't do it, man. Um, the original, like I listened to the original after listening to the remix and it just made me appreciate how good the original mm-hmm. song is. And dude, like the original song, I, I could be wrong on this, but there may be, four or five total kind of riffs throughout the song. There's like that opening kind of beat that kind of echoes throughout mm-hmm. it. And there may be two or three other ones, like in a, in some kind of uh, chorus or some kind of like a break or something like that. We're not talking about like too much here. And that first one is just, it's just infinitely better. The, the second one, um, it sounds like, what you would expect a modern day techno remix of an older techno song to sound like. And the first like 15 seconds or so when you're in the introduction, I'm like, Oh God, like I just, I, it sort of felt like it was going to break into this kind of dance number type thing. Like almost like a song you'd hear it or see in a commercial where like teenagers fall in love or some shit. And then it kicks into the first like mortal combat. And it just goes totally flat from there, man. And like, I thought maybe somewhere in this, it would have some way of redeeming itself. And I guess like the part of the song that everybody would think would be cool, which comes sort of in like the second half of it, when you're just getting that collage of Skrillex inspired techno riffs. I don't know what, there's a technical term for whatever Skrillex does, but that, that sound and just this, it's just all over the place for me. Not a fan of the remix whatsoever, dude. I see. I think it's because you just don't like EDM. That's like the bigger part of this. Um, because I'm, I'm going to give you some bits of information here in a minute that'll make your opinion even more like standoutish. However, I do generally agree with you that the original is the original is one of those things. Even though it's not a great song, I don't know how you can improve upon that song. It's a perfect song. For I got. Oh yeah. I. For, for what it is, for what it accompanies, and like the sort of the nostalgia bomb that it is, it's a perfect song. You can mm-hmm. you can improve upon a perfect song in the same way that we've talked about with our cinema dissections. You can't improve upon a perfect movie, no matter 
who you give that movie to, it's not going to get any better than that. And yeah, I think I gotcha. that's what's at play with Techno Syndrome. That the the Immortals, um, who I feel very confident to say that they haven't done anything else of significant note um, besides Techno Syndrome, they made a perfect techno song. And that's it. You cannot you cannot mm-hmm. you cannot usurp the original. Uh, I do like that they kept enough of the bones from the original song, but it, it's if you if you don't like EDM, you won't find anything interesting in it. Um, I'm I'm fifty fifty on on EDM. It just depends on like it depends on there's like a lot of nuance in it. Like there's I, I hate breaking down subgenres of music and and then mm-hmm. like and then micro genres <laughs> of music. It's fuck. I think it's fucking pointless. Um, I understand. Like like you talk to some, you talk to like real hardcore people in EDM. They'll there's like EDM dance hard dance and it's all based on beats per minute. And I'm like, I don't fucking care. I don't care what. I don't care if one's 140 and one's 125 beats a minute. That makes zero difference to me in my enjoyment of the song. So whatever. Right. Um, but so I'm like 50. So I'm 50 50 on whether or not I like EDM. It just depends on the artist and the style of it. Um, so I totally understand. You don't like EDM. You will not like this. I'm okay with it. Do you know who made this song? I do not know who made this song. Benjamin Wallfish. You know who Benjamin Wallfish is? It's a dead mouse. No, he is one of Variety's billion-dollar composers. Uh, the movies that he's worked on have grossed over two and a half billion dollars. He's been nominated for multiple Golden Globes, Emmys, um, including Best Original Score for uh, the Hidden Figure soundtrack. Oh, interesting. Okay. And he's been multiple, wow. multiple times. He's been nominated for Film Composer of the Year. Holy fucking shit. Including that is and some of his scores include Blade Runner 2049, Shazam, It 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 Chapter 2, Hidden Figures, A Cure for Wellness, and The Invisible Man. <laughs> wow, okay. That is a very impressive resume there. Um wow, okay. Yeah, I gotta tell you, like, um had I known that beforehand, maybe I would have looked at it differently, but if there's just something about like I, I am sort of 50 50 on edm i am definitely it's a, it's a style element there's certain uh, djs and everything I, I have like way more respect for than other djs it's, and it's just like a matter of me being a little more familiar with their music and mm-hmm. I, I gotta tell you like there's just something about that song that just really did not hit me and like i i guess it kind of harped on like some sounds and like like edm techniques or styles that I, I just kind of, I guess I've moved past and um, like, like it, it just basically sounded like a, like a Skrillex thing for some reason. And I was like, okay, well, so this, whoever did this is trying to be Skrillex. And I, I yeah, man, I guess um, I am really blown away by uh, like, my mind is just like putting together all these different things. <laughs> it's now. funny. Isn't and, it? like, it's, yeah. It's really funny. It's, I, I, cause I was just like, because like I, I'm sort of I guess I'm I my needle leans towards yeah it's it's, it's decent like it, it like it, it leans towards that direction and then when like, I find out who did it I'm like seriously like like this guy yeah this guy would he works with Hans Zimmer all the time like you know what I mean like he's he's yeah. probably on a short list of he's on a very short list of composers that like Christopher Nolan and Steven Spielberg would call up like he's on a very short yeah. list. Man, I, I I almost think that this guy could have taken the original song 
and just did a heavy metal guitar for the, re- replacing the um, industrial riff and just did that over and over again. And it would have been perfect. You know, like, mm-hmm. I, I don't think that you really, you know, like, as we say, that is definitely a perfect song. And um, I will not disagree with you at all on that. I could not agree with you more. And like, I, I just think that when you, you have, you're almost like fighting an uphill battle no matter what. Yeah. But in that situation, I would just, I would just make like something that was noticeable, something that is, that I could call my own and my own take on it, but I wouldn't go full on EDM collage the way that, that did, you know? And even like when you're listening to the second half of that song, it's just hard to like find like the beat in there sometimes when you have all that, you know, that screeching and that, mm-hmm. you know, that going over it and stuff. So yeah, that's, that is just so man, like I'm telling you that the fact that that came from the same guy who scored Blade Runner 2049, it's, it's mind boggling to me. It is. I, I, I wonder, and this will, this will be my final thought on this. I, I wonder if it's because current, Current, especially, especially. I mean, this guy's British, but um, but current, I'll call it Western music. There isn't like a really dominant sound right now, right? I like gotcha. you can, because I, I feel like the EDM thing is. I mean, obviously, it's still around, and, and these DJs are still doing work and stuff. But like that sort of that era from like 2010 to 2015, that's come and gone. Yep. Um, yep. Go back to when Techno Syndrome, the original, came out in the mid 90s. Techno was fucking king. For about like six, seven years there. It was fucking mm-hmm. king. Um, I, I just, I don't think there's like a, if there was something that was like really dominant right now, I wonder if Wallfish would have dipped into that for for some, you know, for, for a little bit more to pull some inspiration from for, for this remix. Yeah, I get what you're saying here, dude. Yeah, it's like if, like, let's just say, for example, if metal all of a sudden was the most popular thing in America, mm-hmm. maybe there would be a heavier version and less emphasis on the EDM part of it or something like that. It would be more industrial or something. That's a really good point. You're, you're right. Music has, I mean, especially with the pandemic and everything, like music has been really fucked up the last like, you know, year and change and stuff. So uh, they've just started to like, uh, like announce concerts again Mm -hmm. out here and rage is going on tour and stuff. So like, I'm really interested to see, what music is going to be um, going forward? Oh, At for least, sure. like how the, the the industry, the artists, like was popular or not. I'm very interested to see that. I yes, same here. That is that could that that feels like a future episode, perhaps yeah. later this year oh, sometime. Yeah, 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 definitely. No, that's a good point. I'm going to write that uh, write that down for sure. So let's let's actually go back to our our original our first episode on Mortal Kombat. Uh, we did a little we did a little segment where um, we pitched our own Mortal Kombat adaptation, like knowing that knowing that the we at that point in time we knew that there was going to be a movie. Um, you know, obviously the pandemic threw the status of it up in the air, uh, but we knew there was going to be a movie, so we did our own adaptations, like as if we were walking into some media company pitching something. Um, uh, and so I'm asking this, so we're going to give our pitches again, and then I'm going to ask you. I guess we're going to discuss who is the closest, and that's based on what we know via trailers and any other information that's sort of leaked at this point. Although, I have pers- I don't know about you, I've personally tried to stay away from reviews and things until I do see it. 
Um, yes. Yeah, I'm one of those people. Like, if if it takes me two weeks to see a movie, I will wait that two weeks to try to avoid all reviews and things like that, and just try to avoid as many leaks as possible. Um, but after, so after we do, so after we give our pitches and discuss them a little bit, we're just going to take a, a, we're going to throw some darts and like say who was the closest to guessing what we think is like actually going to go on in, in this upcoming Mortal Kombat. Um, so Chema, just remind me, you don't have to, if you don't want to give the full pitch like you did last time, that's fine. If you got like the little, you know, the I don't, a less than an elevator pitch uh, of yeah. your adaptation, go ahead and throw it out there. Yeah, you bet, dude. Yeah, I'd actually taken the the little snip of my outline and everything, so I got the bullet points for okay. you. Okay, so so my pitch, we're going graphic novel route. Right, and right. in this graphic novel route, Raiden, he's dying, for real this time, he's dying, and um, he has visions of the future where Shao Kahn's successor has reached Earth and is conquering the planet. So what he does is he sends an older Liu Kang to the outer world to train Shang Tsung's uh, brother who died in the first uh, Mortal mm. Kombat and stuff like that. And um, then we're, we're, from there, we're really going to get into the, the mythos of the tournament. This is like would be the, the prequel. And then I had something like uh, really cool in the beginning where Shao Kahn is like getting ready to like, he's rallying everybody towards his cause and stuff. And um, like uh, Shang Tsung decides to like, decides to leave and he leaves his brother alone and he's got an enemy now and everything. So the whole thing is basically like a, a prequel to, to kind of really introduce mm-hmm. the, the tournament and the mythology of the tournament and build from there. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yes. Again, now, now that you, uh, as we discussed off air, I knew it was a graphic novel. I just couldn't remember the, the very, the specifics of it, but Excellent, love that. Um, mine was a mine was a TV show um, that was gonna play out uh, play out. I guess if, if I were to give like the real real brief, and I'll get to some more details. The real brief sort of pitch for this is uh, an intelligence agency cooperative between uh, Chinese intelligence and the U.S. intelligence agencies, um, secretly battling the supernatural forces of Outworld, um, sort of under the guise of being like an anti-terrorist task force. Um, and that, uh, that agency, you know, whatever we call it, doesn't really matter, but agency would be headed by Liu Kang and Sonya Blade. Uh, at some point in time, they would bring in Johnny Cage, uh, like an ex-military, you know, a military veteran Johnny Cage instead of like the, the Hollywood star. He would be brought in to like help, uh, to help with this task force. Um, you know, it turns out that the, that the triad, the, the, the criminal, the organized crime syndicate in China, like the biggest one, which actually involves multiple organized crime organizations uh, or involved in the Chinese triad. Um, the, the triad would have been taken over by Shang Tsung and his head Lieutenant Goro. And then week to week, we'd have like, we'd have like some knockdown drag out brawl with the various, um, with the various lieutenants and members of this, of the quote unquote, the triad, even though it's really the, the supernatural forces of Outworld. So like week to week, you'd have a fight between Sub Zero and Johnny Cage, or Liu Kang and Scorpion, whomever we we're deciding is like the, the bad guy of the week, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I got to tell you something. Like knowing how everything is making a move to TV, that definitely sounds like something that is going to be that could be put on television as far as a Mortal Kombat show and everything goes. And the yeah. fact that you've made it to where. It, it is episodic. There's probably going to be underlying story threads that run throughout and everything like that is something that I could see being pitched in, in, to a, to a studio, like exactly like that. Yeah. I, I, and, and I'm actually, and it's, it's kind of really, it's interesting. I'm actually really surprised 
that this and obviously plant i think a lot of it's being shaded uh by the because of the pandemic i think uh, there's just going to be because of this there's just going to be a lot more tv shows of of things Mm -hmm. greenlit versus movies um right so i'm actually kind of surprised that there is another mortal Kombat movie but i think the next unless this movie does like just bananas good um you know whatever (laughs) whatever bananas good is in the current theater conditions i think kong uh, godzilla versus kong gave us like a an idea of what a big a big week and weekend are going to look like um Mm -hmm. so if it approaches something like that or exceeds something like that and um you know and like the the streaming numbers uh on hbo max are real high i wouldn't i wouldn't be shocked if there was a second one but i also wouldn't be shocked if they said instead of a movie what if we were to do this every week why not right yeah, I'm telling you, man, like, I'm really loving things going to TV. Like, I just, I'm loving the idea of more time. Yeah. And I recently, like, I've, I've started working on a new project and everything, which I'm very, very excited about. Nice. And uh, I'm starting this whole thing up. And it, originally, it was supposed to be, be a movie. It still sort of can be. I, I really haven't pulled the final trigger on that yet. But um, I'm all just all the development and naming characters and all that shit and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. uh I'm like, I'm thinking about this and I'm like, yeah, like this really would be a, a good movie. Like this is, you know, it's a solid enough for a movie. And then I'm like, well, what, what could I do if it was a TV show? And then I'm like, oh God, because I just had more time, way more time to do stuff and everything. And it's weird. Like we've had this conversation and I completely agree with it. I watched the King of Staten Island is like two and a half hour long comedy. And uh, like, we're just like these movies and stuff, you know, being way too long but it's weird. Like I want more time, but I just like, don't want it in the form of a movie. Yeah, like I want yeah. more stuff in, in TV and everything. I don't want to watch an eight hour long movie, even though I did watch the justice league twice and do not regret it. But, uh, I just like, I, I don't, I don't want an eight hour movie, but I'll gladly watch eight hours of television stories. Well, television. because I could, you could put that on your own t- on your own schedule. Like, yeah. And especially if it is week to week, it's an hour every week. And then you right. can stop to discuss it. You know, we, you know, you can text your friends. We can text each other about like what we just watched, whatever. Um, whereas like, like again, I, I did enjoy uh, the Snyder cut of the justice league. I, I really did. Um, but man, that was like, that was like sort of like a, like a test of will to watch a movie that fucking long <laughs> about superheroes. Right. Well, I mean, it was a test yeah. of will. It really was. Yeah. Without a doubt, dude. Yeah, that was, I had to break it up. Like I've watched it and I couldn't do the full out four hour thing. I wanted to, but I just couldn't do it, man. Like it's just like two o'clock in the morning on like a Thursday night. And I'm like, okay, yeah, dude, you got to work tomorrow. So like, let's, uh, let's postpone this for later on. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. So just real quickly, based on, based on what we know via trailers and any other information you've come across, um, uh, on the internet, um, who do you think is the closest to guessing like the actual story of, of this upcoming movie. Uh, I'd probably say between us, I would have to say mine only in the sense that I think we might get a little bit more mythology about the tournament than what we've been given in the previous movie. Mm-hmm. So I think there, there might be a little bit more world building and there might be, um, there might be a history lesson involved and there, there's some stuff here with that, which uh, we'll get into as the episode goes on. But um, I just, I think that if that if we're like what element I think out of everything that we've discussed, I think that is going to be the one that we might actually see. I I think I'm closer. 
Um, okay. And I'm basing this on sort of the... I'm basing this on sort of uh, two things. One, Sub-Zero is chasing Louis Tan's character, Cole Young. Um, and that's sort of like the setup for, for what makes Cole Young relevant. And he he is sort of... Um, he seeks out this specialized special forces team that's led by Sonya Blade. So it's sort okay. of... I, I think we're getting sort of like this... It, that almost feels like a TV setup. I, I wouldn't be shocked if this thing at some point in time was considered a TV show before it became a movie. Because um, that just, that feels like a TV setup. But, um, mm -hmm. but I think, I think we're going to have, I think we're going to have some like, in, when we sort of peel back the layers and finally get to whatever the tournament's going to look like, I think we're going to see it that like, there's a lot of people that know things about this already. And that the Cole Young character, which is, as far as we know right now, isn't, isn't a character. Well, I mean, the name right. Cole Young has not appeared in any of the video games. Um, yep. He could be, uh, you know, he could become a character or something. Um, we don't know for sure. But, but like, it, it just feels like there's going to be a lot of characters in this that know what's going on already. And Cole Young is sort of our conduit to like getting into this sort of um, the, the underworld, if you will. Okay. I gotcha. That's very, very interesting there. So, I I know that he is going to be something. We're going to talk a lot about him throughout the course of yeah. the episode. I'm where I, what I guess like, I guess I just need to maybe maybe watch the trailer more, do some more reading on it or something. The idea of all these people knowing about the tournament, I completely agree with you. I'm just I'm wondering what those numbers are going to be. Yeah, like yeah. if he is if he's going to be like um, if this is a guy who like everybody else knows about the tournament and he doesn't, it's just him learning. Is it like him, Sonia and Jack's kind of learning about it together. So mm -hmm. that, that's, um, that part I'm going to be going to be very interested to see because you're right. People are going to have to be aware of this tournament and stuff. And there, there's going to be, you know, there's going to be way more people, um, non, video game characters I'm assuming that are involved in the tournament, just like humans that maybe die off after one or sure. two fights or whatever. Sure. So that part is going to be very interesting. And like, I, I know that somewhere in there, we're going to get more information than, than what we got in the first movie. That's, that's something I'm kind of excited about to see how they do the world building in this particular movie. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I hope that we're both wrong and it's a workplace comedy starring Sub-Zero and uh, Scorpion, <laughs> like Cherry. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure that was the, basically the, the, the gist of Cherry's adaptation. Wouldn't that be amazing if just at the <laughs> end, at the end of that fight scene, it was all a dream, and they're standing at the water cooler talking about fighting each it's, other? It's, and they both, and they, Scorpion looks like Dwight, and Sub Zero looks like Jim. Yeah, <laughs> Scorpion's got the like the double bar glasses. Yep. He's wearing the orange. Yeah, the mustard shirt, mustard colored shirt. Yep. Jim's in a blue oh, shirt. Yeah, that, yeah, that is absolutely amazing right there. And I can only hope to God that we get to see a lot of different online parody Mortal Kombat stuff because I'm not going to lie, dude. I'm personally sick of all the horror movie figures like Jason and Freddy singing parody songs. I'm kind of done with that. Maybe it's time for Mortal Kombat to step up and be uh, the source of internet humor for a while. Let's do, hey, if that's if that's the case, that means it did. That means it was a, a, a good movie that did that did uh, that left a nice uh, pop culture imprint. If that's the case, 
I would love that, dude. I want. I, I would need a nice pop culture uh, imprint nostalgia shot from my youth and everything like that. That's yep. what this vaccine does to you. It makes you feel young and full of energy. That's, that's right. <laughs> All right, so let's move on to some expectations. And just for everyone out there, I spelled every, every place that there was a hard C, I spelled with a K, just for fun. Um, Hell yeah. Because <laughs> you have to when you talk about Mortal Kombat. Um, exactly. But anyway, we're moving on to some expectations here. And I... I want to get, just before we before we get into the specifics of this movie, I do want to know sort of like what you think. What what makes a good video game movie in general? Like what are what are the things that I mean? Granted, we've talked about this before. It's a fairly low mm-hmm. bar to to be the best video right. game movie because ninety percent of them really suck. So like, what does make a good video game movie for you? Okay, like the movie has to demonstrate like. I'm going to use the word like appreciation to translation. It has to do, it has to demonstrate a solid appreciation of the source material, this case being a video game that is coupled with a translation to the new medium, this case being a film and stuff. And it's what I'm saying here even though I just gave like one, basically two words, it's really hard to describe. It's something that you're like watching and you just kind of feel it. And you know when something is horribly off, okay? Like the Super Mario Brothers movie and stuff like that with oh, Dennis Hopper and, and all that. Like, <laughs> yeah. you just, you watch it and you just know something's off. You see it in the trailer and you just know something's off. The fact that you've seen a, you, the movie trailer for that. I'm like, wow, there's like no turtles in the whole thing. Like, yeah, something's, something's off a little bit. Okay. So I, I, I think like you, when you see the movie and everything, like there are certain things that they almost have to get right. And like with the first mortal Kombat, for example, like I feel the scorpion and sub-zero costumes were something that they 100% got right for the time period and everything. That was in the mid-90s. The bright, solid color like did a really great job of translating that image from the game to the big screen. There were some little things that they did, but it was mostly the subtle stuff. Not too much that I would like criticize about the way they made Scorpion and Sub-Zero look. Mm-hmm. That, to me, demonstrated an amazing appreciation into a translation on film. And when you see some other movies, like even like certain superhero movies, the way that these people choose to make these heroes look. And we talked about, we talked about this, I think relatively recently where like when you're dealing stuff, it's all, that's what the audience has. They has that visual connection. You can't stray too far from that before it just becomes fucking awful. And like, I don't care how great you think your signature on something looks, the damage tattoo on the Joker thing is never going to be look good. It's just never, ever going to look good. So there's certain things like you have to kind of get right in terms of the look you have to, you know, stick to certain elements of the story, like key elements of the story that are introduced into the game. You could definitely have some fun and create uh, friendships and romances and like cool kind of banter and give the characters a voice that they may not have had in the video game, but you have to have a tournament. There has to be some kind of like working your way up to the main guy kind of thing. And when you get to the main guy, that main guy has to have certain things from the video game, like the shape shifting, like being badass in karate and stuff, you know, like or martial arts for, for that matter. But um, so it just has to have like certain things. I think it's more about what it 
has to have than what they shouldn't put in there, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I agree with all of it, and I'll, I'll sort of, I'll add to it, you, in this, like, in, in this general, like, appreciation is a really good way to put it. You need, you need to appreciate everything that makes this game what it is, be it Mortal Kombat, be it, be it you know, whenever Halo comes out, you know, whenever they decide, they'll make a Call of Duty movie, don't worry. Um, <laughs> whatever, you know, just pick your game, whatever it is. You need to appreciate what it is, but then you need to abandon the way the game presents the narrative. Because that is what video game movies kind of try to replicate. And mm-hmm. the thing about video game narratives are they're very dependent on me doing things for them. Um, right. <laughs> I have to go search through this building or do this. I have to go acquire this power or this whatever, this weapon. I have to do a whole shitload of it. So there are there are movies that like are sort of, they want to try to replicate that feel. Like I, I'm thinking of in particular of Doom, uh, you know, with The Rock and uh, Rosamund Pike and Carl Urban. And if they had, I feel like there is something substantial there, but they sort of tried to recreate... There could have been something substantial there, I should say, um, but they try to recreate a lot of parts of the a lot of parts of Doom where you're sort of like isolated, and like there's there's like this horror element to it that they just couldn't they can't capture because okay. you're not you're not the one physically moving your character through the corners and around in, into this hallway and doing this, and they actually right. tried towards the end of the movie they actually tried giving you a first person like shoot 'em up style thing that was just fucking awful. Um, like, I get, my, my one buddy was telling me, he saw this in the theaters, and he was just like, people went fucking nuts. And I was like, oh, God. Like, why are we doing this? So, like, right. you need to abandon the way that a video game builds this narrative because it's, like, it's, it's... The video games are asking you to be interactive. Movies are not. Or TV mm-hmm. shows are not asking you to interact in any way, shape, or form. You don't have to, like, do anything. Um, just sit back and let us present the story. So I think you need to appreciate all the things are the, some of the details, like you said, like if, just for Mortal Kombat, there needs to be a tournament, but like how we get to the tournament, you need to abandon whatever the story is from the video game and right. come up with your own fucking idea to get them there. Even if it's not like a, even if it's, I mean, obviously in this movie, it's going to be a tournament in the way we think of Mortal Kombat, but like, even if they just sort of happened onto a tournament somehow, some way, fine mm-hmm. but they can't just like be there the way sort of the way that they got there in the first movie was just clunky as fuck um, right so like whatever so you need to you need to abandon the way the again you need to abandon the video game narrative structure um you need to remove same similarly you need to remove sort of um too many winks at the video game like okay for sure like we want like and we'll get down to some specifics for this movie like i want whatever the signature thing is from that game so like if it's halo i want i want like the the master chief to um to at some point hop into hop into a big fucking tank and blow a bunch of things up but Mm -hmm. like i don't need i don't need like every little tick and every little moment and every little unique thing about halo to happen in the course of a halo tv show i don't Mm -hmm. Right, I just, gotcha. Yeah. Just give me one thing here, one thing there. Just a nod to this and nod to that. Um, and that's where, like, that's where, like, a lot of the video game movies go wrong because they try to cram it all in. 
and it's just mm-hmm. it's not the way it's just not the way that it, it just doesn't make sense. And then uh, I I know you touched on this a little bit, like you touched on this when we were talking about world building. You need to make a very believable world that would lend itself to like explaining why the hell is there a tournament for <laughs> for all this? And why is why are these people important? You need to like create like a you need to create a, a you need to create a world wherein it makes sense that this thing would be happening um, in some sort of reality that we could recognize. And I think I think they did just a fine uh, even in the first movie they did a fine job of explaining all the necessary things for it. But like other other video game based movies do a really terrible job of explaining why why does this character have like super strength and can jump really high like right there's just no explanation for it and it doesn't make sense yeah no dude i i got you and like you make a great point um, which i'll get into first about this sort of like believability thing audiences have gotten a little smarter over time. Now, granted, audience, we're not looking at audience being Einstein level here, but right. there's definitely certain intelligences that intelligences or whatever that audiences have developed and have been developing over time. This isn't like this just happened in the last right. 20 years. And the one thing that, you know, people will definitely like suspend disbelief to a certain degree, but there still has to be some kind of like believability element. There has to be some kind of sense of realism. Like Game of Thrones was set in a whole fantasy world, but it had a lot of real life kind of things that people could identify with mm-hmm. in terms of like sex and alcohol and like just even, you know, the, the, the Middle Ages and government structure and all this stuff. It was like very, very like, you know, replicant of some mm-hmm. of the things that we deal with today. And like you know obviously game of thrones is like a it's like a major game changer for any medium film television books whatever and i think like especially since game of thrones that's the one thing that i think people really really want like you take like the new ba- the new batman movie with robert pattinson the batman that's coming out mm-hmm. that looks very very grounded you know, it, it doesn't, you're not, I don't even know if there'll be any big CGI explosions in the entire movie. It looks like it's, it looks like that Batman stuff could be happening right now somewhere. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they're capturing this realism and stuff, I, I think is great. I think I, I really like it. It does sort of add stakes if the world like feels like, you know, like the one that you and I live in and stuff. And even though we are watching a movie, it does kind of give off the, um, illusion that maybe if they lose this tournament the world we live in is going to be conquered by people from the outer world so it's just something that I, that i think has to go into um has to go into um mm-hmm. stuff like that uh today and everything and then to um follow up and with the point that you make about nods to the game oh yeah they need if they're going to make nods they got to do it really 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 intelligently um because when you do try to cram too many things, at some point in time, it's just going to feel forced. I think it probably in the movie, you're, you're probably like looking at a freebie, maybe two freebies of certain lines from the video game, you know, like the scorpion get over here mm-hmm. or, or like, um, insert whatever Mortal Kombat lives are, just drawing a blank on that one. But, um, you know, you maybe get a pass on a couple of those, but when, you're looking at five or six, you know, insertions of dialogue from the game. And particularly at times where there might not be that kind of dialogue used, it's going to feel forced. It's going to be like, okay, we had this have to say this. When is the character going to say that? And it just becomes one of these things where it's almost 
too much in, in an homage to a video game and not enough of a movie that you're supposed to be watching. Yeah, I, I always, uh, like, to, to kind of circle back to Doom, where they had the whole first-person shooter sequence, um, what they what they could have done instead of making an entire, I was like, you know, minute-long sequence or so that was that replicated the video games, instead... Do something. So this, I, I, I've been. It's weird. I've been thinking about it for this long, but nonetheless, I've been thinking about this for like twelve years since it came out, or thirteen years, however long ago it was. Um, that like, fine. Make Carl Urban go down a dark hallway that like he can't. You know, he's got a flashlight in his gun and he can't like see around corners and shit. But like, save that first person view for the very last kill. So it's like this action sequence with these fucking things popping out left and right. He's shooting down. Bodies are piling up, and the very last fucking demon or wherever the hell they are, he kills. Then you kind of get like the sight through his scope for that last one. That's it. That's yeah. that's yeah. the touch you need. Not an entire sequence that looks like the video game. Right. That's that's exactly right. That is a, that's a really good way to put it and stuff. And like, um, I have not seen that movie, so I, I don't know. I, I could see what you know, based on your description, what they would be trying to go for with it and doing a whole sequence like that. I don't even know how people weren't getting fucking sick. I hate the POV thing and stuff like that. It just makes me dizzy as hell on the screen. And they have a whole sequence like that. It just seems like it's overkill. It just seems like they had to get it in there. So how are we going to get it in there yet? Let's just do it this way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so give me a checklist for, for this uh, upcoming Mortal Kombat. Give me a checklist of a few things that you want to see marked off. Like, what's what? What are you just like? Okay, I better see this. I better see this. I better see this. All right, here we go. So I got a couple of things. Some of these are pretty simple. Some of them um, have to expand upon a little bit. The first one is gore, blood, and more fucking gore. This movie mm-hmm. should be like the blood code is turned up to eleven. Okay, this is going to be rated R. This is going to be on HBO. There is a red band trailer. This should be something that like really, really digs into the, uh, the splatter element and ripping out people's spines and all that stuff. Like we should be getting a lot of that from the game um, on in this particular version of the, uh, the movie and stuff. Okay. The next one that I have is um, <clears throat> I know we've only seen like a little clip of it, better looking goro like we now have modern day cgi there better be a much better looking and much better use of goro in comparison to the uh, the first movie and stuff like that little I, I, kind of boxy yeah there's it's almost impossible for them to not improve upon goro exponentially let's let's put yeah. it that way right the first goro was <laughs> yeah. not good <laughs> right right exactly okay so um one thing that um I am interested to see is uh, I want really creative uses of the character's abilities. Once again, we are, we are in 2021. That means there is 2021 technology. And the example that I'll give, and like they may do this in one of the video games. I'm very far removed from some of the more modern Mortal Kombat games. So but like, take how in take like how in the trailer, like how um when Scorpion and Sub Zero are fighting. And like, there's that like gush of blood that Sub Zero freezes mm-hmm. and turns into a knife, and then it seemingly looks like he stabs Scorpion and stuff like that with this knife. Um, I want more shit like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, like any people that have abilities 
this I don't want to see like just the ice ball and call it a day. Like I want to see like him forming an overabundance of ice weapons. The whole idea of him just forming the ice wall to throw Scorpion through it. That is awesome. Like I want Scorpion doing all kinds of really crazy ass shit with the, um, with the, the hook, um, the, you know, the spear catapult type thing on the rope and everything. Like I want all kinds of crazy stuff. I want him doing like underhand stuff behind the back stuff through the leg stuff, using his arms in different ways to, you know, um, really make the use out of this one simple kind of thing. I, I want all of that stuff turned up to 11 and I want, all of the, um, and I really like want them to make the uses out of the, um, out of the, the areas, like the shooting locations that they're, they're into. So like, it looks like that, um, fight with Scorpion and Sub-Zero takes place in some kind of like industrial type thing. Mm-hmm. It looks like a, like a, maybe like an abandoned warehouse, like a building of some kind. Like I want them to maximize the use of those sets. And even if it's somebody like just ripping off a banister and going at somebody with it, like, that's what I want. I want them to really get into these fight scenes and get creative with, um, with how they do fight scenes. Cause like, dude, like, you know, we're as, you know, uh, in our mid, thir- mid to late mid thirties, we're not in our late thirties yet. No, we're going to be in our mid thirties for four, four more years. So, um, <laughs> our, our, so for, for, you know, a couple of guys in our mid thirties, we've seen like a lot of action movies. We've seen a lot of superhero movies and we've sure as hell seen a lot of different fight sequences on, on screen. And like, for a movie that is, you know, you're showing up for the fight scenes, like they really, they, they, they got to work and stuff like that. You know, we're, your whole movie is about fighting. You really got to tune, you really got to, you know, turn everything up here and do your best here. Like the way Cobra Kai made the most out of, out of a high school fight scene and turned mm-hmm. it into an awesome fight scene. Mm-hmm. So they kind of have to, they kind of have to do the same. Um, then I got a couple more here. Um, Oh yeah, just one more. Um, I believe that there is going to be, or what I would like anyway, is there's going to be some kind of surprise, okay? And whether it's, what I'm hoping for is that we get some kind of random character that is not in the IMDb cast list, you know, because they, they got a couple villains and stuff. There's like Reptile and everything, but I'm thinking we're going to get, or what I would like to, hopefully, we get just a random surprise thing that nobody expected, like nothing that we've seen in the trailer, like just some random cameo from a character. And I would be very happy with that. Yeah. That's, that's sort of what I'm just to sort of uh, back that up to. I'll, I'll start there that I really do hope that there's a, there's like that kind of surprise, surprise mm-hmm. character, even if it's just for a second or, you know, for a, for a part of a scene, I, I really hope we get something like that. Um, I co-sign everything else that you just said. Like, absolutely. I, I Yes, absolutely. I want all of that. Um, so I co-sign that. And I'm just going to add a couple things. And I'll, I'll actually expand on one thing that you mentioned, too. Um, as mentioned before, I want enough background on these characters to make them compelling. And mm-hmm. it seems because, you know, like, uh, Cherry brought it up in our first episode. When uh, that uh, the black fighter, Art, dies, he gets killed by Goro. And everyone's like fucking flipping out, and we're like, we didn't know anything about art, <laughs> like, yeah. So why is anyone like fucking like losing their shit about art? Um, so and it seems like at least from the trailer, it seems like based on uh, based on that red band trailer, especially, we're gonna get a lot of info about Scorpion. Uh, we're gonna get a lot of info about uh, uh, Cole Young. We're gonna get a lot of info about Sub Zero. 
And mm-hmm. we, hell, in the first, in the opening scene, in the opening part of that trailer, we know exactly how Jax lost his arms. So right. it, it seems like for a movie that is, by the way, under two hours, an hour and 50 minutes, um, they're going to give us quite a bit of background info. Um, so I, I'm, I'm, I think that's what I want. I think we're going to get that. Um, and, uh, oh, uh, one more, my thing that you did mention, I actually hope there's an action sequence in this that isn't just a fight. Like we had a, a, a chase sequence or something like that. Um, mm-hmm. I would kind of enjoy it if we, like, we just had one brief one that wasn't just a fight. I mean, fighting okay. obviously is going to be a part of it, but I, 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 I want to see one where there's like a big car wreck, something along those lines that happens in the course of, uh, that happens in the course of, you know, like, I would assume this would be like an early, early part of the, uh, part of the movie. Cause there wouldn't be room for a, a car chase in the fighting tournament. Um, right. <laughs> so I hope we get something along those lines. Um, but like you said, I, I want as much blood and guts as possible. And I hope that one of these fatalities is so over the top that like, it, it's, it, it's like one of those things that we're going to be talking about. That we're yeah. just going to go yeah. like, holy shit, they actually did the Sub-Zero spine rip on someone. Or, right. or holy shit, um, uh, Liu Kang fucking the dragon fucking, like, it just burned and ate somebody. Like, yeah, something real far over the top. And then, like, I I want, at the I really want this to, towards the end, there's got to be a fight that involves as many of the principal characters as possible. Like, I there's got to be a full-out brawl with everyone involved at some point. Oh, that's a good boy. I, you know, I didn't think about it like that. Like, I was more focused on, like, um, individual people going at it. But if you are going to put a more modern twist on it, the idea of everybody beating the shit out of each other, that's a pretty good way to go right there. And that, I think, like, you know, I, I'm on board with the other than a fight scene kind of thing. I, I I'm a, would logically assume that a chase scene would be um, the the second, you know, next in line as far as like action sequences mm-hmm. and stuff. But something like an all out brawl might, um, it might like feel fresh. I mean, well, it's going to be feel fresh because they didn't do it in the other movies, but it might feel fresh in the sense that like how many one-on-one fights can somebody watch, especially the modern day audience, you know, how many of those are we possibly going to uh, get in there? I mean, for crying out loud, Creed two had three different boxing matches. And I remember when the Rocky movies had one, right? So like there's something about wanting to pack as much in there as you possibly can. And an all out brawl might be, um, might be the good modern take on the movie that, um, that really like makes it something special in the end. I hope so. I, I I hope we're yeah I, I yeah I hope so I I I think based on just some headlines that I've read again I'm trying not to read any reviews based on some headlines that I've read this thing is like super violent so like big thumbs up there I think we're mm-hmm. gonna I think we are gonna get again I think the I think the the trailer did a pretty good job of establishing that like we're going to get some background on these characters so like we're set there and. I think you're right, just based on the based on the clip of that Sub Zero Scorpion fight, and actually for that matter, the first the first well before he's Scorpion, um, the I can't remember what they call Scorpion, but Hiroki Sanada's character, whatever whatever his human name is, um, mm-hmm. there's clearly like a fucking full out environmental fight that happens early in the movie when he's still like a human being, um, right? So like there is going to be sort of like maximum use of the setting. Um, you know, for a fight. Like, I think we're going to get that probably multiple times. I have a feeling. Um, 
so like I think I think most of our expectations will be met, and I'll be really really happy if it is sort of leading into the R rating, and it is and it is sort of like let's just make these fights as cool as possible. If those two if those two things get met, I'm fine with everything else. Maybe not hitting the target completely. I gotcha. I got you, dude. Yeah, I I like what you said about the um, the finishums and stuff. Getting just one really crazy one. I'm maybe they do something like um like the animalities. Do you remember like when mm-hmm. the, the characters were turned into animals and stuff? Maybe they do something like that too. Like not not just like the Liu Kang dragon because I think there's there's a shot of a CGI dragon it, somewhere in the, the trailer. There is. I don't. I can't tell if it's Liu Kang or not, but I would assume that it is. Yeah, I would assume that it is too. Yeah, like I. Maybe like one of the other characters, animalities comes comes along or something, and they, they do something like that. Like somebody in the cast unseemingly has a craziest shit, like um, you know, show stealing moment in the uh, in, throughout mm. the course of the tournament. Uh, so, anything about this movie that makes you nervous? Okay, um, I always am. Wor- and it's always a concern that they could completely botch one of the characters. And there's Mm -hmm. still some people that we have not seen um, in the the trailer. They didn't show everybody. So like, like reptile, like I'm just kind of hoping is like the sub zero, but green, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want them to take too many liberties with some of these characters. Um, So there's always like a, a cause for concern that somebody could be botched in appearance or, you know, maybe taken in a way that, um, you know, that I, that I might not like. Uh, so that, that's always a concern. Right? Anytime an adaptation um, is done. The other thing too, I'm sort of concerned that they might do something that they think is really cool in terms of like throwback to the game. And it's something that they'd be like, Oh my God, this is funny. But in the end it just doesn't work. And something that immediately came to my mind was the idea of the, Babality. Do you remember this where they would like turn people into like kids and stuff? Yeah, I guarantee they won't do that. I hope to God that they don't do that. Like, I I just, there's something about that. Number one, that specifically just like would not fit. It doesn't even fit in the game. I didn't even think it was funny. I just thought it was like a dumb fucking thing that they put into the game. It's like, if anything, it should be another like brutal as shit way of like offing one of the characters, not turning them into a child. Mm -hmm. But, um, I don't want them to like, I don't want them to like bet on the wrong horse. You know what I'm saying? Like, Hey, we should, maybe we should really emphasize this one element from the game or this one saying from the game or this one move from the game. And it just really doesn't land right. You know, mm-hmm. and it could, it, it might not necessarily be the writer's fault. It may just be everything else is so badass that this one thing sticks out. But I just, I'm a little concerned that, with what they have, some element from the game might not be done right. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, yeah, exactly. It's again, just to re circle back to Doom, that that first person element was done wrong. It was done too long. Like I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have been included the way they did anyway. Um, but like the way it was done too, it wasn't. You know, you may mention like that that sort of view gets you sick, or like it gives you like a little bit of you know motion sickness or whatever. Um, don't worry, you wouldn't have gotten it because it's really slow. Like, okay, it's so, like a really slow version of this, which makes it even. Uh, I don't know, even, even I don't know, even strange. I, I don't know. It just like it, it makes it even stranger, makes the sick out more. Okay. So like, if you're gonna, yeah. again, if you're gonna do something like that, then do it fucking right. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, I, I I understand exactly what you're saying. If they emphasize something from the game 
and it's done poorly, um, even if it's even if, like I don't know why they would do a babality, but I guess if like they did it right, at the very least, it, it, I, I wouldn't be. I don't want to say I would be pissed because I'd be kind of pissed if they did that. But like, <laughs> if they did a babality and then like someone and then like someone's animality ate the baby, yeah, <laughs> like. At least then it'd be like, wow, they really fucking went for it. Um, it was stupid as fuck, but they went for it. But if they did like yes. a babality and it was just really second rate, that would stick out even more. You're absolutely right. Yeah, and like I know Mortal Kombat, the game doesn't. There's not a lot of things like the babality, but there are certain things that, like, if they do do, it's like as much as like I would personally love this in the movie, it would be horrible. But like if all of a sudden some guy just came out and said toasty and ran away like me, cause I love the toasty character from the game. I'd probably laugh and think that that was amazing, but I could see how like that might not play off so well in the movie. If all of a sudden somebody's beating the shit out and then toasty and then runs away. Like, so they're, they're they just got to pick the right things to, um, to translate into the movie and they also have to make sure that whatever they pick is executed properly. Yes, exactly. Um, Chema, I only have one real concern and that's the director and one of the other writers have no other credits. Oh, no shit. Simon McCoy has no other credits. He's got no other credits. Wow. Uh, okay. He's got a short. Well, he's got a short movie from 2014, and this. Okay, all right. So that is definitely a cause for concern. That is definitely that's a cause for concern. And, and the, he's older too. Yeah, that's it. Almost like if he if he didn't have a picture, and mm-hmm. like there are pictures of him online um, as well, I would assume that this was like a pseudonym. Okay, you yeah, know what I mean, I gotcha. like yeah. directed by Alan Smithy yeah. kind of thing. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it's that's him. That's that's Simon McCoy. So I have no idea why he has such a why he literally has an IMDb page with two credits. Unless there's, I, I haven't found it. There's some interesting backstory to it, but like, I have no idea. It's not even. Yeah. It's not even like he has like VFX work, um, or he was like a writer for a long time or something. Like nothing. Who is the Who's the writer that has no credits? Greg Russo. Okay, he's the the first guy. Like, this is really, like, interesting to me because I have no idea how a director with no credits even gets in the room to direct this movie. Like, this, like, something like this, this is, you know, this would be something, there'd be a marketing campaign all, all over the summer, there'd be billboards and everything like that. You know, this would be, like, if this was not the pandemic and stuff, they'd be aiming for a major, major, major haul in the the opening weekend of the movie as you're supposed to anyway. But, um, and this seems like a movie that they would give to like Gareth Evans because they didn't pick up his Deathstroke movie or something. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I don't know, man, you just, there's something here that my thought process isn't quite comprehending, which leads me to believe there's definitely some behind the scenes stuff that we need to know about because, I just don't get it. Like you don't give like directors, you you at least give guys who've made amazing short films or something like that. You know what I'm saying? These kinds of projects giving like what is, what is hands down, like the definition of an unknown, something like this is incredibly interesting. 
yeah, it's that's that's exactly how I put it. It's it's interesting. I don't um I don't know what his short was from 2014. It's called the Nighttime the Nighttime Economy. Um, I have no idea what it's about. Um, it's not like it's it's not like something that I, I mean I don't know. I, I just I it, it, he's such a complete unknown. Um, <clears throat> uh, he's he's Australian, and this movie is basically entirely filmed in Australia with Australian production, Australian writers, a lot of Australian actors. Um, but even then, it's not like like I'm not seeing. If I search online, it's not like oh Simon McCoy. You know he he wrote a bunch of episodes of Neighbors in in Australia or something like. Uh, there's nothing. There's like absolute. Again, if if he didn't have a picture on his IMDb, I would assume that this is a fake director. Yeah, like it's really like Eli Roth under his own pseudonym or under right. a pseudonym or something. Right. Like, exactly. That's, yeah, man. that's exactly what I would assume. I hope that um, you know, as we lead up to the premiere of the movie, um, I hope we get some kind of information on this because yeah. it it almost sounds like somebody had a contest and like these guys won the contest. Like that, that's, <laughs> all, that's like, like that, that's seriously like the impression that I'm getting right now. There's there's so much going on here that does not make any sense that there's just there's just something there's something next level going on here like there's like when i say next level i'm I'm meaning there was some type of an exchange hey you do this we'll do this for you or this guy has got maybe he's just got the talent maybe this is a dude who has the fucking talent but there's something about this like you, you would give this you would give this project to some there's a multitude of directors who would get this project before this guy mm-hmm. so th- there's definitely some unanswered questions here yeah exactly I, I i won't yeah i won't delve into it any farther than that just to say that you're it's a little odd um hell i mean everyone's got to start somewhere it's just not usually that like you get this as your yeah. first crack at a movie like i mean you know, think about think about it like think about like David Fincher. Um, you know, his first crack at a big time movie was Alien Three, and mm-hmm. you know, even like, I, I mean, that thing had like a forty fifty million dollar budget, something like that. I mean, even even by ninety standards, that was a huge movie, or you know, a fairly huge movie. But like, that's not even that's not on the same level as rebooting the Mortal Kombat franchise in terms right. of and- the expected audience and everything that's going to go into this. Yeah, like Fincher was a music video guy. So yep. I mean, even before the directing. So even if he had only directed music videos, that's still enough connection a, here in Hollywood to right. To have, it's a resume. You know what I'm you saying? You have a resume. Yeah, that's a, a resume. Thank you. That that's enough of a resume. This guy, like two short films, and it's like all of a sudden he, that's like. Hey Adam, by the way, I saw your uh, Run the Jewels video that you made. Do you want to play the new Joker? Like that's that's like what this is to me. You right. know what I'm saying? Like how how does this happen, and I, how does this not happen to me? <laughs> exactly. Uh, but you know what? It, it just again based on if you just go on the IMDb page, it's got a pretty the the movie has a pretty high rating. Um, again, like I, like just some of the review titles that I saw were were definitely praising this movie so uh, maybe maybe you're right he has the goods and it's like it just so happens that he just started directing when he was like 44 right this, this might be one of those true hollywood underdog stories in the making and here i just shit all over this guy <laughs> <laughs> all right we are back with a immediate mea culpa on, <laughs> on mine and chama's behalf because we're like we're too fucking dumb apparently to just look up 
Simon McCoy um, uh, via Wikipedia, via anything else. Because um, I was just going off of his IMDb um, where, where we're talking about like him not having any credits. And it's true. He only has like two directorial credits. Um, like it's a very scant, it's a very scant uh, filmography for someone getting, getting the reins uh, on a movie this big. And I kind of, I kind of made a joke about like maybe his agency, whoever he signed with, just for whatever reason, hasn't updated his IMDb page. So I went and searched Simon McCoy directly, found his website. And the reason why he has no other credits is because IMDb doesn't credit commercials. And he has directed a shit ton of commercials. Um, many of which are video game commercials. And actually, Chum, this makes perfect sense. The video game commercials are like, are like real life stuff. Like, re- like okay. so like there's one for like a PlayStation 1 where like a lot of the characters are like in the flesh. So okay. it actually kind of makes sense to give the, the to give Mortal Kombat to give this movie to someone who has directed video game characters in like a more real setting. Yeah, I'm telling you, man, a simple Wikipedia search might have saved us a lot of uh, vocal <laughs> embarrassment right there, you know. <laughs> but it's still like, I mean, it's still a very unusual situation to mm-hmm. go from commercials to big blockbuster. You would think somewhere in there he made safety not guaranteed or some other like indie flick kind of thing. Right. But no, you're, you're going right from commercials into, uh, into the, the, the big seed, the, the big leagues. You're going to the fucking dance here and everything. I mean, it's just like, that is, I'm telling you the the guy's probably got talent that we just lay, I guess we just have to like lay down, give lay back and give this guy a, uh, give this guy a shot here because he probably, he might have the fucking chops and just needed yeah. that opportunity to show everybody. Yeah. 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 So uh, our bad, uh, in short, yeah, our bad. So, sorry guys. Uh, anyway, yeah. anyway, so Simon McCoy has definitely directed a lot of things. Um, but anyway, um, let's move on to our predictions section here. Um, this is pretty straightforward, and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll expand upon this a little bit, but this is pretty straightforward. So, predictions. Chemba, let's start off with the first one. Who is going to be in the best fight? I'm thinking it's going to be Sub-Zero. I've, like, I loved what I've seen of him in the commercials. I know he's going to be in more than just the Scorpion fight scene. So, whatever is going, whatever fights he is going to be in, and we, he might even be in some that we have not seen, um, I think he's going to be in the best one. And I believe that the Scorpion Sub-Zero fight might be one of those like tail end of the first act or like in the like middle of the movie, just kind of like one of those big all out brawls that, um, you know, like links, you know, like you could basically go to the next scene after the fight. Mm-hmm. But um there's something about that that just looks absolutely amazing. So whether it's the Scorpion fight or whether it's another fight, I believe Sub-Zero is going to be in the fight that we're talking about, um, you know, come the next episode. I, I agree with you. And actually, I'm getting specific. I, I think it's the Scorpion Sub-Zero fight that we've seen in the okay. trailers. I think there's going to be at least two uh, between them, maybe more. But um, uh, But yeah, I think the one that we see in trailers... I have a feeling that they held back a lot of the footage from that one. That that mm-hmm. one's going to be even more knockdown drag out than we've seen. Because there's yeah, there's clearly looks like there, there's possibly other people involved too that mm-hmm. I that are basically there for to be human fodder um, when they're fighting. So I have a feeling right. it's going to be a pretty it's going to be a pretty intense fight. And they really, I just have a feeling they held back a lot from that fight to put just a little snippet in the trailer. 
Yeah. Very good job on the trailer. So, um, you know, don't give away the whole fucking movie in a two and a half minute clip. Right. Very right. great job on the trailer. Uh, how about who is going to be in the most fights? Okay. So I'm thinking Cole Young. So from what I've seen in the trailer, I think he's got like two or three fights in the trailer alone or like situations mm-hmm. where he could be fighting somebody. And I know that he's the quote unquote original character. Um, and with him obviously being the protagonist, I think he's going to end up being in the most fights. And um, I either think one of two things. I either think that he is going to be a, a character that we know and they just hit him under a fake mm-hmm. name or whatever and stuff like that. Or he might be a, a new character that is in the next, next game, game that they come out. Yep. So that's my, like, that's Adam's hot take on the, oh my God, it's burning. Get yep. the player <laughs> hot, hot, hot take on the, uh, on that character. No, I, I, I agree with you on that one. It, I think it's one of those two things that that's, that's, that seems very likely for the Cole Young character. Um, Helen, they picked a really, they picked a great actor to sort of base it off of. Louis Tan has the fucking chops. Um, mm-hmm. he's, he's legit. He's like a legit martial art. Uh, he's obviously a real martial artist, but I mean, like he's a legit screen martial artist. Like he, yeah, he makes it look very effortless. I know him from into the badlands. Uh, he played a character named guys, Chow and, and Wu assassins for that matter. He kicks the shit out of everybody. Every movie he's in, um, he, he's got a great death in Deadpool too, too. So yeah, yeah. He's Shatterstar. That's right. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You bet. Um, but yeah, yeah so, I, I actually, so. I like, I saw like this, like behind the scene, like I was doing like some searching on YouTube and stuff and they, they had this like little, behind the scenes kind of thing intertwined with footage of the trailer. And I, I guess like a lot of these people who are in the fight are like, you know, on screen martial artists. Oh, like, yeah. They're like yeah. legit and stuff like that. It's not like they just plucked me and gave me six months of martial arts training. No, like, exactly. These are the, real legit dudes. Right. Uh, like uh, obviously Joe Tasm, our boy from the raid is in this. Um, he's a non-screen mm-hmm. martial artist. Uh, Ludi Lin was, I think he's the, I think he's the black power ranger. Um, and like he's an on-screen okay. mar- martial artist, I, like everyone involved in this is the only one I don't know about, like fighting-wise. And actually, I'm going to m- mention them right now. Um, I have a feeling that Sonya Blade is going to be in a ton of fights. Um, yes, because she's looking for like at least from the trailer, she's one of the ones that is s- somewhat informed about what's going on. You know, what's going on behind the scenes, if you will. Um, yeah, and I have a feeling she's going to be going to look for fights. Um, and that's, and that's sort of like her character motivation from the video games too. Like she's trying to get vengeance or whatever. Um, so I have a feeling that, uh, Sonya Blade's going to end up being a lot of fights. She's, pl- the only, she's an unknown to me cause I'm not familiar with Jessica McNamee, um, woman who plays her. Yeah. She's in a lot of stuff. Like you've, you've probably seen her in something, um, TV show, movie or something, but like, I have zero idea if she can pull off the fighting stuff. But I've seen her. I've seen her on Instagram, and obviously she's in this movie as a key figure. If she could not fight, I can't imagine they would put her in that role. Yeah, I'm, I think she's going to have a good amount of on-screen fight time as well. And there are um, female antagonist characters too in the movie. Mm-hmm. So like, I just, I, I don't see Jacks like just beating one of these female characters to death. I, I don't really see that. But I, I could see 
Sonia going up against these like um, these female antagonists mm-hmm. and, and like really having a um, like one of those spectacle fights where there's a lot of jumping and gymnastics maneuvers and stuff like that. Like, oh, well, just a really crazy of amount of like um, acrobatics that I would never, ever be able to do like that kind of fight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, which fatality is going to be the best? OK, so, ah, dude. I'm thinking that right, I got two questions. There's two answers for this. Okay. From what I have seen, I'm really, really loving that clip of what I think is Luke Kang's dragon. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, that right there, as far as stuff that we've seen, I think that that is going to be badass. But I do think that um, Cole Young is going to have an awesome whatever it is at the way end, that's going to be the best fucking fatality of the entire movie. It's going to be something that I I don't even know if we've seen yet. Who knows? Maybe it's something new. Maybe it isn't, but whatever the, which is, I I believe he's going to be in the the last fight of the, uh, he's going to be the guy delivering the final kill shot. And that final kill shot will be the biggest spectacle fatality of the movie. I will. Yeah. I, I think you could be very right on that. Um, yeah, I think you'd be very right on that in terms of, because, which I think it'll answer the next question here, um, in, in terms of Cole Young's importance, but, uh, for sure, I, th- I think you could be right on that. Um, again, I'm, I, like you said, I'm pretty sure that's, that's Luke Kang's dragon. I think that could be a really awesome one. Mm-hmm. Or one of the, one of the sort of, uh, the demigods, like Raiden, um, Shang Tsung or whomever else could have like a really interesting one. And I have a feeling Raiden's going to have a real badass one that like, I I, like Raiden's clearly not going to be super heavily involved in fighting, but like when he fights, his fight's going to be fucking like, it's going to be like over the top, I think. Oh yeah. You're going to look at lightning bolts and like the, um, the put, you know, the flying, pushing somebody into the wall move and stuff like mm-hmm. that. It's going to be like, um, cause if I'm not mistaken, the actor is a little on the older side, um, who's playing Raiden. And when I say older, like not 25 or whatever, it might be like a dude in his forties. Yeah. It's the, it's, he was in, um, oh gosh, what the hell was he in? He's in, he plays like the general of the, of all the forces in Thor. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember that character's name. The the actor is uh, Tadanobu Asano. I don't remember the character's name, but like he's like the general in all the Thor movies of the okay. of the you know of the forces that. Why am I why why am I drawing yeah. a blank here? But the Asgard the Asgardian forces. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Like so, with, with him being on the older side, I can see a lot of like CGI, like more of like a spectacle fight again. And it's the same thing with um, was it Shao Khan, the guy from the, who's playing who's Lao in the Dark Knight, is playing like Shao Kong or Shang Tsung. He's one play, of the two. Uh, yeah, Chin Han from Dark Knight and a ton of other things is playing Shang Tsung. Okay, so he's playing Shang Tsung. So, like, that one might not be a him doing a lot of crazy jumpings, but he might shape shift into other characters that do crazy shit too. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think. Yeah. So, like, I think you're. I think you're correct. But I would love to see one of the like the demigods, be it Shang Tsung, be it Raiden, even Melina. Um, mm-hmm. you know, is a, I don't know if she's a god, she's some kind of creature, whatever. Um, like, I think they might have one of the most, like, brutal, violent, um, you know, fatalities, simply because of, like, what they are. 
yeah, I got, they have the most power. Yeah. They might have the biggest spectacle thing, a real opportunity to like, just explode somebody with a lightning bolt or whatever it is. I gotcha. Right. Right. So I think we both, I think we both have the same answer for this last one, but who is going to be the chosen one? There's always a chosen one of these fucking movies. Who's the chosen one? Yeah. I, I don't think there are going to be um, any real crazy twists. I think it's going to be Cole Young, mm-hmm. Louis Tan all the way to the, to the end there. I, I was, I was thinking, and believe me, this was the one question that I was like really had took way too much time to answer because I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, okay, so what if there is some kind of twist here, okay, where he's not the chosen one? There's really nobody out of the entire cast, out of that whole cast that could be the chosen one and have it be cool. Like, I just, I don't really like, yeah, it would be like Jack's with the metal arms. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's great, but it's not like that doesn't move me. You know what I'm saying? That's not like a big surprise. Right. I think it's, I think it's just better if yes, this is this story where it's this guy learning about, you know, where he's from, why he's got the, the, the birthmark dragon Mm -hmm. tattoo type thing on his chest. Like, where does he come from? What is his family? What is his connection to this whole thing? Like, I, I just believe that it is, it's just going to be way better if it's done straightforward like that, instead of like, okay, Hey, yeah, for an hour and 50 minutes, we're at one hour and 25 minutes where it's been completely implied that Lou, that Cole Young is the chosen one. And then, Hey, guess what? For no fucking reason whatsoever is Lou Kang. I just don't see that. You know, like I, I just see it right. more being about, him the chosen one the the struggle everything he goes through to unlock his there's a specific term for it that screen rant used there's some kind of like power that he might have or whatever Mm -hmm. so i I think it's more uh, just a better story about that than hey a bunch of misdirection big plot twist in the end yeah i i I don't think they're going to try anything like that either i think i think the way you could you could sort of turn it on its head and this would immediately set you up well, it would either be, like, the biggest cliffhanger or, like, set you up for a sequel. Um, that Cole Young is the chosen one, but in the way that Darth Vader was the chosen one. Oh, wow. Okay. Ooh, wow. That he's actually, like, a villain. He just doesn't know it yet. And that, like, that um, that Shang Tsung is, like, is seeking him for that reason, knowing, like, who he actually is, whatever. So that's that's the only way you could do it. But again, Cole Young, like I'm like first build Lewis Tan, a first to see like getting the most exposure in that trailer beside Sub Zero, Lewis Tan. Um, like it's it, mm-hmm. there's it, you're right. It'd be really strange if it was Jessica McNamee, Sonya Blade was the right, or if Kano was like the key or something. Just wouldn't make yeah. any fucking sense. Have have um? Do you know off the top of your head is Shao Khan been cast in this movie? Um, not off the top of my head. I'm um, hold on. I'm gonna pull it up. There's there's a bunch of there's still like actors that are listed here that are just like unnamed. Okay. So uh, yeah, I, I don't I, I don't know. I, I think it could be one of those ones that like we'll see. Okay, yeah, because I was thinking it actually would be kind of cool if, yeah, he's the chosen one, but then he becomes Shao Kahn somehow at the end. Like, that's, you know, in going with the whole chosen one Darth yeah. Vader um, angle, like, 
Because I'm not going to lie, I'm kind of hip to that. I, I think that that's not too bad of a way to go. But the only thing that um, the only thing that is it would be the only thing that would have to happen is one of the supporting characters, whether it's Jack, Sonya, Liu Kang, one of them has got to like emerge as some kind of like secondary protagonist. So whenever he does go bad there's a focal point of good to continue the story with. Yeah. Um, yes, yes, exactly. Uh, and I, I would assume since she had a significant amount of time in the trailer, that person, if, if they went this direction, it'd be Sonya Blade. Yeah, I would think so too. I yeah. would. Yeah. She looks to be the, the second lead just based on trailer time mm. alone and everything. So yeah, I'm not going to lie. That's a really interesting angle. And, um, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be kind of keeping an eye out for signs of whether or not he's going to go bad throughout the entire movie now. <laughs> I, yeah, no, that, that was, that was like, it, it just, and the only reason I say that is because they could have easily just made Louis Tan, Liu Kang. And right. he could have, you know what I mean? He could have discovered his, his powers and abilities. This it, it like, it could have unfolded in much the same way that the original one did with, um, uh, what was it? Robin show as Liu Kang. Mm-hmm. It could have unfolded that same way, but because they went out of their way to make an entirely different character, that I could see that switch flipping either way. Either he is totally good, or he becomes like a Darth Vader type of presence um, in, in the series. Yeah. He's going to just find a bunch of sand people and slaughter them for no reason in the middle of the movie. And he's then we're like, yeah, all he's going things. bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. <laughs> I slaughtered them. I slaughtered them. Oh man, uh, let's let's. I don't want to talk about that. Uh, so, um, any any other well, any other final thoughts, predictions, anything else that you think is gonna come through with this movie? Well, I think we're gonna be in for one hell of a ride. Um, I, from what I'm seeing, I think we could be looking at a one of, if not the best, video game based movies ever made or you know live action pieces of property mm-hmm. um from what i've seen it's like there's a lot of boxes that are being checked we have more things to be excited about than to be nervous about so like i'm i'm just really excited to see this this final product and everything like that and it's, it's so weird like just you know we did the other Mortal Kombat bad movie review last year and stuff. And here, this one is almost like 365 degree days uh, later. Pretty close. Stuff. So I'm, yeah, like there's, there's a lot. Um, there's just, there's going to be a lot to be excited about. There's going to be a lot to talk about. Like, I, I'm really excited for this movie to come out. Yeah. I, I think like in, in sort of that, that sort of question about like, who's going to, who's really going to do the best job in adapting um, adapting a video game property, be it to movies or TV, doesn't you know either one. Um, I, I think I think, and I uh, I think it's more hope. I hope that this is like the first step, but I really do think this is going to deliver on more points than it's going to fail on. And yeah, even even if it's like even if it's kind of bad in the way the first one was, it'll still be many shades better simply from like a production standpoint simply from a storytelling standpoint simply from like you know we talked about like in the first one the fighting and the action stuff is it's totally fine like it's no one looks really out of place 
you know, like there there isn't like a glaring like weakness from anyone in the, in in terms of the fighting stuff. Um, whereas like in this one, it looks like that's cranked like it, it's cranked up to ten, you know, or cranked up to eleven. Yeah, like it's like there. If we get a bad a quote unquote bad fight out of this, I would be shocked. You know what I mean? Like I would be utterly oh, yeah. shocked if that happened. So like. Even if this is sort of bad in the same way that the original is bad, it's still going to be markedly better. So, like, I, this is almost like a foolproof movie for someone like me. Yeah, I understand what you're saying, dude. Yeah, this is, like, how do you really make a bad fight scene? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. There's, you can't botch any of the fights. And you're right. There's definitely a certain, there's definitely a certain foolproof element to this because it's like, let's just say the story's not as strong, but the, the fight scenes are really, really good. It's a mortal movie based on mortal combat. You know, you're not really going there for the story right. and stuff. Like if this was the, if this was halo, I'd be like, yeah, you guys better get the goddamn story. Right. right? Because the story's fucking awesome. Right. You know? Exactly. With, with mortal combat, like, yeah, you know, so you just basically had the characters enter a room and then a magical beam of light beamed them to the tournament. Like, yeah, you know, it's a little cheap, but did they fight somebody as soon as they got yep, up to this island? Exactly. And was it awesome? Yeah, I'll forgive the beam. I'll exactly. Forgive Something like that, you know? Exactly. Yeah, you don't need... I just need enough story to, like, to want to cheer for or cheer, for or cheer against the characters, if you will, because it's a fight movie. I, I like I, I need to root for someone. I need to root against someone. Just give me enough story for that. And you're totally right about Halo. If they fuck up the story, that like literally has spawned multiple books, short films, anime, all kinds of stuff. If they fuck that up, that's right. bad. Um, but yeah, like it, it, I don't I don't need as much meat on on that particular on this particular bone. But I need enough. And like just man, just just be violent. Just be ultra violent. It's it's mm-hmm. just so funny now thinking about. Thinking about the original, the PG thirteen original, and that Paul W S Anderson, who directs otherwise really fucking violent movies, uh, had you know that he had to hold back, that that was like a studio yeah. directive to make a PG thirteen movie. Oh, exactly, dude. Like, there's no way in hell that they weren't aiming that movie to to be for kids who were playing the game at the arcade and stuff like mm. that. You know, like their their bread and butter wasn't like eighteen year olds. It was like you know people who are our age, like eleven, twelve. You know, right. that kind of age and stuff like that. So when you're going for for that, I mean, it's a video game. You know what I'm saying? Like, no matter what, like that if it's a violent video game or whatever, it's not like all of a sudden 18 year olds at that time were like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna drop my car and like just go play video games. It wasn't like the case. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a uh, nowadays audiences have matured and stuff. Like, I, I can't even the kids who are probably 11 and 12 today are playing games that are infinitely crazier than what they were when we were growing up. So like. This is just one of these things. It's it's something that um, provides, uh, you know, a nice nostalgia shot, you know, from the from our youth and everything. It expands upon something that has been an, a continuing interest of ours with this Mortal Kombat and the game and all that. And then it also like, you know, does it the way that it should be done because we're older now. You know, no matter mm-hmm. what, like if you're trying to hook in an older audience, like now is the time because the younger audience is going to be there no matter what. Yeah, exactly. All right, Chum, I have no other final thoughts other than I'm really looking forward to the movie and really looking forward to reviewing it in its, uh, in its totality. Um, so you want to lead us out of here? 
You bet, dude. I definitely will. Everybody out there, get pumped up for Mortal Kombat and then even get more fired up for our review, which will be coming shortly after the film's release. And until the next time, this is Adam Chemielewski and the one and only Matthew Pagel wishing you guys the best, and we will see you next time. Thank you.